Hey, good evening, everyone. Welcome to this Christmas Eve worship service. We hope that we've come expecting to hear from the Lord and be filled by his grace and mercy. Uh, I want to go ahead and go over a couple of things that we'll be doing tonight in the case that you are new to church. Maybe you came with someone or a family or a loved member, loved, loved one, uh, or maybe you're new to Crosspoint Church. So what we'll do this evening is we'll have a couple of readings from the scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, we'll be able to sing some songs together, so if you're not used to that, we'll all stand together and sing together. Words will be on the screens. Uh, you're encouraged to sing out and be reminded of what those words mean in those songs. I'm going to be preaching uh, for about an hour and a half tonight. Uh, now, someone time me. I hope it's 20 minutes, but I'll be, I'll be preaching from John chapter 12 uh, in continuing our Christmas series on why Jesus came uh, reminding ourselves of why he said that he came, and tonight we'll see how he said that he came to be a light. Then we'll have more singing, and we'll have a candle lighting. So if you came in the doors in the back and you didn't grab a candle, at some point during the service, go back there and grab a candle. We'll actually use real fire, real wax, all that. You're encouraged to hold the fire to yourself, and then at the very end, blow it out, and you can throw away the candle in the back or take it home with you, but you'll want to be able to do that at the end where we'll sing together joy to the world and also go tell it on the mountain. But tonight we hope that this will serve all of us to, to enjoy all of what God has done for us in Christ, uh, but also to help us focus on why Jesus came in particular. So as we go through these uh, series of events, the, the hope is that we'll see what Christ has said about himself, knowing that that brings joy to not only the world in general, but also to you in particular. So let me begin us by uh, praying for us in our time together. If you will, let's bow together and pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you that it is you who we can focus our hearts on in this time and in this place. We pray that you would remind us of your goodness and of your sweetness, uh, that you would have us hear the voices that you have surrounded us by, that you would help us see from your word of what you mean to be true and a true light to us. And we pray that as we seek you from your word and in prayer, that you would remind us that you are present and that you comfort us in a way that nothing else or no one else can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our reading from the Old Testament will come from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. This text anticipates the good news brought to us through the birth of Christ. Let's now hear from the word of the Lord. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let us join together and stand singing this wonderful hymn together. Testament will come from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 9 through 14. This text tells of the prophecy of news of Christ being brought from heaven to earth. Let's now hear from the word of the Lord. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day and the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Heart there.
Now I'm really going to preach for an hour and a half as punishment for me not switching out my batteries. All right. If you've got a copy of the Bible, I want to encourage you to turn it to the book of John, chapter 12. Uh, my sermon this evening will come from John, chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. If you're using one of the chairs that's provided for you on one of the uh, chair backs in front of you, I'm on page 899, 899. Word of the Lord says this, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me, he has authority and has given it to me as a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore I say, as the Father has told me. This is the word of the Lord for us, even this evening. Let's pray together and ask for God to speak to us. Our gracious and heavenly Father, what we know not, we pray that you would now teach us. And what we have not, we pray that you would now give us by your word coming to us. And what we are not, our Lord, we pray that you would make us and transform us into the likeness of your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, these set, this set of verses, these verses shed light on two major subjects. Uh, for us. That'll be what I'm talking about in the majority of this evening. Two major subjects, subjects that you and I can never hear often enough. We can't understand it too much. It seems like there's a lot here. There's a lot of Trinitarian conversations that going on. There's a lot of commandments and judgments and gifts that are happening, but two major things that come to us. And amazingly, and in a timely way, I wonder how these things will impact you as you might in your own life be pursuing peace. Peace maybe even this evening as you're dreading the conversation at the table. Peace tomorrow morning as you're just hoping that brothers and sisters won't war and battle against each other. Peace maybe hoping that 2023 will be 20, better than 2022. But I want you to wonder and think about what would bring you absolute peace in your own life. True peace. Amazing, glorious peace read an article a couple of days ago that talked about a way that can help you bring more peace in your life that said that you can meditate, that you can do breathing exercises, that you can read books or even have a, a morning routine that'll bring you more peace in your day, providing yourself with self-care or doing a workout, whether at home or at a gym, goal setting, or even listening to music. And frankly, all those things are fine. I mean, I don't really know what soul care means. I guess it just means buying yourself stuff instead of waiting for other people to buy yourself stuff. It seems to be a weird way to talk about yourself, to care for yourself in ways that only God can. But Scripture is clear for us that our daily peace will absolutely be closely connected to a clear knowledge of the subjects that are in our text this evening. True peace can only be brought to us by God through these two subjects as we understand them. Now, the major context of this passage, if you're unfamiliar with the scriptures or 
even the book of John or maybe even where John 12 is in the midst of everywhere else in his ministry, the major context of this passage is Jesus is revealing to people the nature and the certainty of their own unbelief as his ministry draws to a close. What he really wants people to understand is why they don't believe in him as the Savior, why they have confusion about him. So he tries to put truth and in clarity on the table so that they will look at that and they go, oh, that's why I have such a hard issue with this person. Or that's why I struggle with actually following him. He's saying, deny yourself. And because of what he keeps putting on the table, I can have more clarity with that. Or to summarize this passage, the, the close relationship of Jesus with the Father is stressed through three aspects. To believe in Christ is to believe in the Father. To see Christ is to see the Father. And to hear Christ is actually, think of this, to hear Christ's words is actually to hear the words of the Father. Now, on on the other hand, the rejection of Christ, which is clearly displayed to us in this passage, the rejection of Christ and his words also bring on a rejection of the Father in his own words, which brings judgment. So Jesus is saying that he'll be rejected because, in part, that his Father is rejected. And because his Father was rejected and continues to be rejected, that's why he'll be rejected. At the same time, why is he accepted? Because people see in him the very words of the Father being true. So there's a lot of Trinitarian truth coming out of this. But for our sake tonight, I want to go over two particular things. So I want you to look at verse 46 of the text. Why did Jesus come? Look at verse 46. It says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Why did Jesus come? He came as light into the world so that people would not remain in darkness. So why do we celebrate tonight? Why do we celebrate tomorrow morning the birth of Christ? He says for several reasons. But for tonight's passage, he says that he came as light. And it's the day the light went out because Jesus began, we see in this understanding in verse 35, where he says that the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He's, he's building anticipation of their, they should be rejoicing in the reality that the light is here because he's saying the light will not always be in their midst. So hold on to him while the light's still there. You can imagine people walking behind a flashlight or a candle in the midst of darkness. He says that while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become the sons of light. Now, the implication of this truth will serve us tonight. So what does Jesus mean where he says that he is the light? Two things. The first one is that he is judgment by being the light. Jesus being the light actually shows his judgment. So if you're kind of following along verse by verse, I'm going to start more at the end of the passage tonight. So more, think of 48, 49, and 50, and then I'll come back, mostly because I didn't want to end the sermon with judgment. I wanted to talk about Christ and his glorious truth at the end. But we have to encounter the judgment because that's where Jesus takes us. One thing that light does, think of all the things that light does, one thing that light does is expose boundaries, whether a wall or a fence or a door or an edge of a cliff, something, something like light. Light not only exposes what's there, but it also, in, in some mysterious way, it actually shows what's not there or it shows where a boundary might be in our midst. So Jesus' birth and life, his work in his ministry, think of the totality of how Jesus is presented to us in the Gospels, here he says that he is shown from the Scriptures to display, through him being light, absolute judgment that will come. 
Now, in many ways, this is a forecast of what's going to happen. Jesus came as light at the beginning, this dawning of his glorious uh, life, and what that life will ultimately culminate in, in his very death, which is him bringing judgment on himself so that you, Christian, don't have to encounter judgment. Well, what the scriptures also say is that it won't be the only time that he will arrive. Yes, he came born incarnate. Yes, he came born in a, in a trough, in a manger, but he will come again. And that time, he says, it will be as if the light has gone out and judgment will finally pour out on evil and dismay. There is a last day, the scriptures say. Look at verses 48 through 50 of the passage. It says in, in the beginning of verse 48, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him on the last day. That means at the end of everything. For I did not, in verse 49, speak for myself, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, things I speak, I speak just as the Father told me. The world won't go on as it does now. In many ways, that brings us joy if you've had a rough season. The Bible speaks of an end. Buying and selling, sowing and reaping, planting and building, marrying and giving, uh, being given away in marriage, those are all images that the Bible portrays of a beginning and a continuation of what that beginning brought. But the Bible is very clear that there will be an absolute definite end to all of that. There's a time appointed by the Father when the whole organization of creation will stop and the present allowance will be summoned up for another. A couple of years ago, Brooke and I and my parents were in Tulsa on Christmas Day and we had to leave the house for a couple of hours because my, my sister's ex-husband was coming over to spend a couple of hours with the kids. So we, frankly, socially, wanted to get out of there. And if you've ever tried to go anywhere, even in a big city on Christmas Day, there is nowhere to go. Lowe's wasn't open. McDonald's wasn't serving anything. Everything that you would normally think, surely it's a 24-hour visit. Nowhere to go. And we were just in a car thinking, this is going to be a really long, awkward time. What a way to spend Christmas. The, the haunting effect of everything being closed, where we drove around forever looking somewhere to hang, we saw that this town of a million people was but a ghost town. And it's a haunting forecast of what's to come. The closing of creation. The very sun that rose this morning will set no more. Friend, I wonder if you think of the mere presence and beauty of Christ that you might worship tomorrow morning, or the mere presence and glory of Christ that you may be mesmerized at every single day, I wonder if you see that as a foretaste, as haunting as that feels, as a foretaste of the very end, where that light will go off. That's how he portrays it in this passage. Take hold of the light while it's in front of you because it won't be there forever. His light shows the darkness and awaits all those who reject the light. Think of that again. The light shows the darkness that awaits all those who reject the light. Christ is calling all of us to see him as he is, to see him for who he is, and to hold on to that truth as if our life depends on it, because there will be a time where you, do not, you will not be able to even aspire to hold on to it. I really do hope that you'll take some time and think about what Jesus says for us tonight. If you're, here and you're not a Christian, I hope that you'll take some time and think about what Jesus says of how he's light, of how this light displays judgment and says what he will come for, what he is very clear at, and that he is a beacon of hope and life, 
In the beginning, when he dawns on the earth, he says that he will come again. And he will come with, in many ways, a vengeance for evil. And friend, if that is you, knowing that you are evil from the inside out, that same word is still summoning you to himself today. The gospel says that men will have their time in their sin now, but that God will have his last time in judgment. The Bible shows so vividly that all from every name and nation, people in tongue will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and they'll either be known by the light that has shone on them or the light that they don't even have within their midst. It says the book will be opened and everything about you will be exposed. Our, our true character will show itself before the world. There will be no suppression, no dodging, no false coloring of who we might be from the inside. The Bible says that everyone will give an account to God and it shall be, and he shall be judged according to their own works. What the Bible is clear on is that you and I from the inside out are known as not good, or what the Bible says as sinful, or what Paul says as wretched. So Merry Christmas. That's who the presents are delivered to. You wretched soul from, take heart, another wretched soul. But what the Bible says is that it is the very light who summons you to himself, recognizing that it's him that you can go to, that, it, that it's him in just the most simplistic way, recognizing that he is who can give you everything because you can give him nothing. So Christian, when you consider the baby tomorrow, born incarnate, fulfilling the promises of the Old Testament, remember what he came to save you from. The gospel is not just the presentation of mercy. But the gospel is also the clarity of judgment that sin deserves. And for the Christian, that's what Jesus came for, to take judgment upon himself. And for the non-Christian, the haunting effect of the gospel is that though it's offered for you, there will be a time where it is no longer offered. And the judgment that will come into the world will rest on your shoulders. So, happy Christmas Eve. This is a little bit awkward to start off a weekend, isn't it? But for all of us, let us daily judge ourselves by God's righteous judgment, knowing that it is he who has us walk in the light. Let us not be careless with words like grace, assuming that if we just say we believe in grace, then God's promise of judgment against unrepentance won't, hope, won't happen. Or let us be watchful of our own conduct, never to forget that everything we must give an account for on the last day will be brought in truth to everyone. But the second thing that we see in this passage is that not only does the light of Christ reveal his true judgment, but the light of Christ absolutely reveals Christ himself. The second and final thing this, these verses highlight is the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Him, as light, reveals judgment righteously, but also him, as light, reveals his own righteousness. Look at verse, 30, look at verse 45 of the text. You, you can find him saying in verse 45, he says, and he who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Now here we see Christ's oneness with the Father. We see the Messiah's office as being bestowed on earth as an outpouring of the will of God. All of these are clearly displayed in these words. Now concerning the unity of the Father and the Son, if you just think conceptually, yes, this is going to be a Trinitarian lesson. If you think of the unity of the Father and the Son, you can be assured and must be content to believing worshipfully that we cannot fully grasp mentally or explain this distinctively. We know that Jesus was not like the prophets or the patriarchs. We try to, we try to align him like that, but he's not like them. 
Uh, we know that, that he was amongst friends and even acted as a friend of God and as a witness to God and others, but he was not like those who were friends of God or those who were witnesses to God's goodness. Jesus was something far higher and far greater than this. In him is what the light reveals. In his divine nature, he spoke to them and speaks to you, one with the Father in essence, though distinct in personhood. So by seeing Jesus, men see the Father who sent them. A lot of times we might think of, you know, God the Father over here and unholy people over here, and Jesus is in the center as this beacon of hope, this beacon of life, separated from the action of an angry God who's trying to seek vengeance on horrible people. It's a great mystery, but we can often confuse it. Jesus is elsewhere recorded as saying that for the sake of your life, you should come to him. For the sake of your salvation, you should come to him. For the sake of fleeing the darkness of your sin, you shall come to him. And it is only good news to you that if you come to him, it is if you are seeing the Father. If you come to him, it's because his very words are the Father's words. Now, Christians do not believe that there are three gods. We don't, we don't write separately gods like that. We wouldn't have like a felt board and say, here's God the Father, here's God the Son, here's God the Holy Spirit. That would be an error and heresy in Trinitarian form, even in children's church. So we want to be very careful about how we talk about God. God is eternally one in essence, three in persons, but all the fullness of the divine resides in each. The Father is not the Son, but the Father and the Spirit are in the Son. And so it is wildly inaccurate to see Christ acting as a separate third party. In Christ, writes the Apostle Paul, God was reconciling the world to himself. In Christ, God reconciles the world to himself. Now, there are two bad ways that you can view Christ in his pursuit of saving people from their sins. Two bad ways you can view Jesus coming his coming work on the cross. One way is to see Christ reconciling an angry father to wonderful children. And, and Jesus is just kind of mediating between this angry God and these very nice people. Another wrong way is to tip that, and you see a really nice loving God with a bunch of horrible people, and Jesus is just in the middle reconciling those two things. But both of those are wrong, ways to see Christ's work acting as a third party, acting as a separate God. The right way to view Christ's coming in the context of him saying in our passage, if you see me, you see the Father, is that God in Christ was reconciling the world to himself. The, the lesson from this passage is seeing the majesty of God on high coming to a world that has abandoned him. And in Christ, very God of very God actually summons people to himself, absorbing the wrath that we deserve so that they can live joyfully. Now, here's the point. Christ Jesus, being the light, allows you to see what truth is and says. That anyone who casts their guilt and sins on Jesus Christ, any person who casts their guilt and sins on Christ Jesus, who is truly God and truly man, by faith you are not merely having your sins being given to him, but on him, the one who sent him. So the doctrine of the Trinity means that on the cross... As John Stott puts it, we see the self-substitution of God in Christ for man. God himself comes and takes the punishment and pays the debt that we are responsible for but are unable to pay off. That God himself arrives incarnate, takes flesh to himself so that he can be a full substitution 
for what you have laid on his shoulders. It is an incredible, remarkable, joyful thing to recognize that God in Christ actually saves you. There's not a third party acting that you might hope will work out, but that he himself has come for man. There can be little doubt that in this place he compares himself to the sun. So we see the, the words light come out here. Like the sun, he has risen on this sin-darkened world with healing in himself. Like the sun, he is a great source and center of all spiritual life, comfort, and fruitfulness. Like the sun, he illuminates the whole earth, and no one need miss the way to him. But more than anything, as light, you and I get to see the very object of our faith. It's not, it's not like a passageway that if you dip, just dip down tightly and actually make your way to the end, then you're on to the new life. But actually, as you look on him and cry out to him to forgive you of your sins and give you everything that you need to enjoy the life that he has given you, it's by looking at him that you can have all of this, the object of your faith, the hope of your heart. And so, in closing, we can never trust in him too much when we see him as light. We can never follow him too closely as we see him as light. We can never connect with him too completely as we see him as light. I don't know if you've ever played in the dark, maybe flashlight tag, or maybe you've gone hiking too long, or maybe you're just one of those weird people that wakes up at 4 a.m. wanting to go for a jog. Don't, friends, don't do things like that. But if you've ever followed someone with light in the midst of darkness, how close is too close in staying behind him? How close is too close when walking in their footsteps? Seeing God in Christ as the forgiver of sins and the Savior of the world, we can never follow him too closely. So friend, may we be people who look at him, fear him rightly, but look to him for salvation. J.C. Ryle says that by looking at Christ, the object of our faith and hope, we shall find light in our understandings. We will see light on the path traveled life. We'll feel light in our hearts and we'll find the days of darkness which will come too often, stripped of half their gloom. So let us abide in him by looking closely at him. Let's pray together. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you that it is you who we can go to. It is you who we can turn to. It is Christ's words that we recognize that it is you who can speak to us and guide us. And so, Lord, as we live in a dark world looking for great light, may we be reminded, even this evening, that it is you who came for us, and you will come again for the glory of your Father. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Well, I don't know who is in charge of fire, but if you are one of the people helping light all the candles, if you've got a candle, now's the time to get them out of your bag. Make sure everything is adjusted on them. And if you're helping with lighting this, I want to go ahead and start that now before we actually start the singing. So if you've got fire, let it begin, and we'll be passing that around. I'll wait for a little bit, and then Jeremy will begin us in singing.
All right, so let's, before we stand together, remember for those ladies who have longer hair, lean back and stand up. Don't lean over and stand up. So let's stand together and sing Joy to the World. One final song, lead us out in the benediction. So at the end of that, you're dismissed and you're welcome to stay around and talk to one another and with one another. But let's be brought into this song by what the book of 1 John tells us. In chapter 5, verse 20, it says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. So friends, recognizing that that is the truth, of God given to us. Let us go out, recognizing that it is our message to tell the world. Let's sing together, and I'll begin us. Let me turn this off. <laughs>